evening. Okay. Um, just to do a little bit of Chazara on the subject we covered, ooh, then hard 12 years ago, 13 years ago, touched on it a few times since. But I had two people call me up on the same, sh- same day with a COVID Shiloh, um, that, uh, was the same, the same shiner, completely different context. Um, but the, the, the same shiner. Effectively, um, the juiciest shiner was, uh, partners, partners in a company. And one of the partners was now in the process of buying out other partners in the company. Because of COVID. Sorry? No, 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 before a- a- COVID. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Pre-COVID, not anyway, pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID. Um, and they had actually signed a heads of terms as to how that was meant to work, what was meant to happen, what price, etc. And there was paperwork that was required. And uh, obviously ironing out the finer details of the plan. And then COVID, COVID struck um, about... A day or two before they were meant to really like, uh, the lawyers were working on the paperwork and whatever. <clears throat> I've been told that as a result of COVID, this company has lost, um, somewhere along the lines of 70% of its value. And now, surprisingly, the partner who is going to buy out his partners has turned around and said, uh, listen, guys, obviously the deal's off. Unless, of course, you're interested in selling it to me at 30% of the original price. Um, the other partners would like to be able to turn around and say to him, obviously, legally, you hadn't yet signed the contract. You did have a heads of terms. Um, at least you have a moral obligation to carry out what you said. And if you're not going to, then at least your moral obligation should in some way make you compensate us in some way, shape, or form. That's what they would like to do, and that's what they were calling up for with the Shiner. Right. Basically, and we, and we did come have out a guy this. and tell us that he's got a moral obligation. Right. And we did have all of this, and by, by purely an isen- the, the Nemonis problem that results from, um, what's the lotion? Um <laughs> Yeah, Mechus Amona, but, but if there's been a change in circumstances, Mechus Amona is quite, no, do we not say Mechus Amona? That's quite weak. Right, so. And there should be a, a MAC clause in the uh, agreement, a material adverse condition. I mean, it's, if it's in this country. Right, you're, in the, you're talking about in the actual agreement, right? You don't always see that. Well, it should be if the, if the, if the solicitor, I mean, Mark was a, would be a better person than me on this one, but. You know, if you, if you don't have a MAC clause, then it'd be negligence on the part of whoever drafted the agreement, I would have thought. I actually got an email about that this morning from one of the law co- law firms about um, definition of a, of, a, of a material adverse condition under COVID. But, um, Mark? I don't think Mark's yeah. on yet. We're missing Barry. Hey, Mark. The lawyers have done it. Jeremy? Not every, we, I mean, we do contracts without a MAC clause because they are not, they are, they are subjective, not objective. So often we put in an objective test rather than just a MAC clause. But that's nothing to do with halakha, that's just a, that's a side issue. 
Right. Right. So the the interesting the interesting uh, 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 shaila here, the interesting shaila here is from the the um, the, the, the shaila as we learnt it all the way back then, and we've touched on it a few times since. Is is mechusamona shaila where the Gemara speaks about mechusamona where a party um, is is makes comes in, two parties come to an agreement. Um, in in a property, this is called under offer, for example, where where two parties come to an agreement, no transaction has happened, and in halachic terms, no kinyan has happened, but there's been a reaching of agreement between the parties over all the relevant points. At that stage, says the Gemara, there's a concept called mechusah mona, whereby both parties thought they had a deal, even though they knew the deal hadn't yet been chal, and at that stage, if one party wants to back out, they they run the risk of being in breach of a breach of trust. Which Chazal says, Chazal frown on this kind of behavior. If someone does it, there's nothing you can do about it. You can call them to Bezin uh, uh, to try to get them to keep their word. But if, for example, a person says they're going to sell you a house at 1.1 and you've agreed everything and it's gone to the lawyers, let's say there haven't yet been expenses, that might be a different question. Even if there have been expenses, you know that when you have those expenses, that until you've signed, you haven't signed. Um, and at that stage, they get another offer for 1.2. So you can try and tell them, you know, you knew there's a deal, you knew that there might be new people around, whatever, whatever. You've got an agreement. But if the maestro, let's say there isn't even 1.2, but someone else comes along who's a friend of theirs, they'd like to sell it to them, and they want to now pull out. So so you can call to us and say, you know, you have to honor your word. But if they don't, and they sell it, there's nothing more you can do. So it's it's a, it's purely a, a moral question, halachically moral question, as opposed to a question of, of din, where you can be mitzi, or uh, etc. So in that shaila, we had some machlekes, uh, Tosis brought down a famous machlekes over what's called treitari. So in other words, if a person has, and we'll just do a quick chazar it's a good opportunity. If a person has reached an agreement with another party, and when they gave their word, it was taken as a word. So that means, the Gemara says, one of the examples, discussions about mechusemona, is not regarding just a sale, what about a gift? What about if you tell someone else you're going to give them a gift? So the Gemara says, it depends on who the person's giving the gift, depends on who the person's receiving the gift, the relationship between the two, whether or not the recipient was entitled to believe the benefactor that they were in fact going to give what they were promised to give. So at the time, if you remember, we used the marshal that if you know you have an uncle who tells their nephew, you know, for your uh, bar mitzvah, I'm going to buy you a bike then assuming the uncle is in a position to be able to afford a bike, and assuming he's got all to do with his nephew, that's not such a rochuk thing. It might not happen every day. It's not a rochuk thing. And if the nephew, you know, thinks his uncle's an honest chap, then there might be a, a, a agreement of coming together of, of minds between the two parties in such a way if you want to breach it, then it would be a, a problem with Hussein Mona. If you tell your nephew, you know, who's 18, I'm going to buy you a car for your 18th birthday, most people don't do that. So, again, depending on who, what, where, whether he might think it's a pipe dream, I'll be happy to see it happen. But if it doesn't happen, you, you know, that's not mechus So it depends on, 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 on how much the parties concerned think this is a real deal. How much do they think we have a deal? Now, it would it, be an interesting point. Um, I, I think I remember hearing in the name of Diane Berger from Manchester. I, I never checked that myself, so I don't know. I think I remember him saying, that on property uh, in England today, this was going back a number of years, or I assume the same thing today, 
Um, if you haven't uh, exchanged, then the parties know nothing's happened, right? In other words, you've agreed a deal, under offer, but until exchange, someone else can come along and you'll lose the whole deal. And therefore, he held there's no problem with Chusim I respectfully would not agree with that. I think it depends who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with a person who you think is, is, is an elechamensh, and they tell you, great, okay, we have a deal, right? Now let's go to the lawyers. Then I don't think you expect him to, to break that deal uh, just because you haven't yet exchanged. The Gemara discusses a case of Tretari, the, well, the Shem speaking discusses a case of Tretari, and then there's a Machalekis by Tretari, Tretari literally meaning when there's a new market price that comes along, and I think that's important to, to clarify and quantify what that means. Uh, if you're selling a house for uh, 1 million and someone comes along and offers 1 million 5,000, that's not Tretari. You always know when you accept an offer on a house that there might be someone else out there who'll offer a little bit more. Right? You know that by definition. You don't necessarily think that you've got the highest price, you know, out there possible. You know, you might make a decision that now I want to sell or I've been waiting for so long or prices might be about to go down. So therefore, whatever. That's not trade tariff. Trade tariff is when there's been a, ch- a proper change in the market price, something like more significant with more meat on the bone. When that comes along, am I allowed to back out? And it works both ways. If, for example, there's been a drop in value, and now, uh, you know, therefore the person wants to walk away from the deal that he's committed to. Also, that's trade tari. Trade tari, we saw, uh, uh, um, is, is a machlekes. It's machlekes rishonim, uh, machlekes achronim, how to paskim. And we said that, even though there are more seeds in machme, uh, but there are more beings, the machabings, the shitters, there are more seeds in machme, uh, the chasm sofer and, 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 and others are mekil. And, um, the remosha, so, uh, seems to hold that there's a mockum, uh, um, uh, to be here, uh, um, but, 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 um, there's what to allow to be makeal. However, there's a, there's a true base of rhyme. And the base of rhyme says, that those shitters who hold that you can't, uh, uh, go back on your word by Tretari, that's when there's been a, a change in market price, you know, there's been a change. But when there's a massive radical change in market price, then nobody expects that Aldas came, we had a deal. Right? In other words, I think I used the motion last time, all those years ago. If, if, if the, the seller, um, opens his, 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 you know, gets his paper, and on the front page it says, bottom falls out of the property market, then he thinks, Chaval, we didn't sign yesterday. Right? Because he knows, forget it, you know, I, I missed the boat. He doesn't expect him to agree to that. I'll ask him, there was never a deal, the club. So, it, when something like this, which is a once in a millennium, hopefully, uh, situation comes along, and, and, and literally, you know, for this particular line of business, the, the floor falls out, you know, the bottom of the market, it, 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 it's 70% of the value gets wiped out. That's unheard of, uh, you know, in, in, in a business like this. So, and, and that's what I explained to the person. The person tried to push and say, yeah, but, but he gave his words. Isn't there some kind of moral obligation? And the answer was, he never gave his words. The base of rhyme is explaining that neither party, if they would have been asked the question, would have had a havamana that the agreement was Aldas King. If it would have been in, drawn up, as Jeremy says, in a proper contract, which it wasn't because they weren't holding by contract stages yet, but if you would have drawn it up in a, in a pre-contract contract, so to speak, with all the protum laid out, and someone would have been foolish enough to ask the question, by the way, what would happen if the market tanks and you lose 70% of the business? Do we still have a deal? Absolutely not. No hover minute. 
So therefore, that's what I explained to him is, it's not shut that in this situation you're allowed to break your word. The base of Ephraim is telling you, in this situation, you never gave your word. Right? There never was a deal by neither party. This would be an example of the, of, of the uh, uh, um, Gemara of Matana Muruba. Not even Matana Muruba. When neither party, if they would have thought about it, would have thought they had a deal. Terrence is, what's really happening here, and I empathize, but I'm not a therapist, right? What's really happening here is that these part, partner, partners were, you know, a hop, skip, and jump away from saving their hide. And unfortunately, Masle Goram, the way Punkt happened on their watch, is they got left with a massive liability. And therefore, they would like to try and, 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 and you know, put some kind of moral owners to try to mitigate their losses. I hear, but they don't have any grounds for it. So that, that was shine number one. Shine number two was... Well, was like uh, a clarification on this. Yeah. In terms of a not, so you, you've got two stages. Not, you've got no, the po- you put them on yeah, I'm saying about a not. If, if at, at the time uh, they agreed a price up front, but they only got to the contract and payment, they would have got there two weeks later. Would, would the question of a not apply at the time they agreed the price or the time where they actually complete the sale? In other words, if by the time, if by the time they got to the sale, the price would have been way over the top for this business, would there be an issue of a not on that? So the, the, the problem of a not only arises if the person who's being overcharged or undercharged is not aware that they're being overcharged oh. or undercharged. The moment they're aware, so for example, let's say you're at the top of Masada and there's a guy selling you a cold can of Coke fresh out of his icebox for five pounds. Right? Or ten pounds. That's not enough. You know what the price for Coke is. Just right now, he's in a lucky position that he can sell it and, and therefore he's milking his, his opportunity. You know, so, so here, you know, again, on, on, on Karakala's no enough, whatever that, that This was a business you were talking about. It's a my point is 50, 100% yeah. markup, whatever. Correct. This is a business. Um, but there's no question we're not because everyone knows they had the business values and they know what it was worth then and they know what it's worth now. If you were to decide to go ahead with it, you wouldn't have grounds afterwards to say not because you knew, you knew. That, Even you know, though you're effectively being forced into it now. He's not being forced. He's being morally uh, encouraged to stick yeah. to his word. Yeah. Um, the, the, the second Shiloh was a Shiloh of, of, of uh, tenancy. If, if, if there, sorry, if, if there was a proper contract drawn up, and it contains all the normal clauses. But, I mean, I don't know what the law is. is are pandemics normally included in normal clauses? So, so even if there was a contract, this, this particular situation might not be covered for it. Well, and, and, and we can't say, oh, it's not in the contract because... And if you, if you take Jeremy's point, if there was no... Uh, if, if it's not unusual that there was no material adverse condition clause there. Cause, Correct. Well, otherwise you were trying you should have had it in and you didn't have it in. But let's assume it's an environment where that's not a usual clause that you would see, which I think is... So again, just to, just to be clear... The, so the, so the in these circumstances, as if there would be no, no contract, even if there was a contract. So, so just to be clear, the nature of this Shaila, the nature of this Shaila is pre-contract. Because the Shaila is talking about when there hasn't yet been any transactional Kenyan, but there's been, a, there's been an agreement of terms between parties. And actually, before I could answer the Shaila, I first had to ask for clarification because it's not an area I'm familiar with. Um, and I told them that you first have to check this out with the lawyer. But the heads of terms, um, the signing of the heads of terms under those circumstances, was did that have any legal, uh, uh, um, you know, could you push the parties legally 
to stick to Ezra's terms? Um, is it in any way legally enforceable? Or is it just literally uh, uh, explaining, putting down on paper what the parties have agreed in principle, but in subject, a way that's not subject to contract? Principle. Subject yeah, to contract. But, but clarify what subject to contract means. Subject to, for example, you can have you can have an agreement which is dependent on the mortgage coming through. That's fine. That's subject to a third a third party, uh, uh, you know, whatever. But if subject to contract means that assuming that we can all agree on the contract, there's no reason why we shouldn't agree on the contract because all the contract is doing is putting into writing what we've already agreed in the heads of terms, then all of a sudden an outside factor like COVID isn't a contract problem. It's, it's an inherent problem in the arrangement. So if you had the heads of terms subject to contract, uh, uh, and now you know they've drawn up a contract which absolutely mirrors the heads of terms just with all the normal stuff that would be in a contract, right? Would would they be legally enforceable, or or not? Maybe some of the lawyers can weigh in here. Not enough lawyers. No, Barry's here. Yeah. So, so say something comes out in, in a property situation in a, a structural survey or in a due diligence um, examination. Um, can, can things be changed then? Uh, again, so yes, if if the if the the contract is uh, 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 um, pending the survey, right, etc., or subject to everything looking way, you know healthy in the house, then of course, because that's exactly what that clause means. That means I'm happy to buy a house, assuming it hasn't got uh, you know dry rot or whatever else it might be, um, you know, subsidence. But here, that's not what happened. Here, the house or the business is, is, is absolutely what you thought you were buying. The market has changed. That's an external force has changed, causing the value to change. But it's not shut that you had the value wrong when you had an agreement. Circumstances have changed. Barry, ready to answer? I'm not sure I caught, I caught the whole question, but I mean, the starting point is if, if you do have you have heads of terms where there are elements of it which are binding on the parties, normally in relation to a penalty for pulling out or, or something like that. But on the but but otherwise, if they are subject to contract, then that is it. They are subject to contract, and the, uh, there is zero obligation to uh, to proceed for whatever reason. You might simply just decide I don't want to do this deal anymore. So subject to contract means effectively that the heads of terms is a waste of time because subject to contract means subject to me putting my signature on the contract. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite a waste of time because there obviously is, uh, there is generally accepted to, first of all, it gives the lawyers a base on which to draft all the contracts because it sets out what terms the parties have agreed. But ultimately, the parties are not bound to transact. So either one can walk away. What stops them from walking away? reputational risk if you walk away from a deal having agreed all the terms and nothing has changed then you are going to get reputation in the market not being a man of your word but if you walk away from a deal because COVID-19 hits no one's going to say you're not a man of your word anymore so what you've effectively done is reaffirm the halacha that there is if a person breaks that agreement but if there's a massive change of circumstances, then it was understood that was never the intent, which is exactly what Allah says. But if you actually exchange contract, but you hadn't yet completed, right, and then COVID hits, or you're, and the property market 
has a has a you know global hit of ninety percent or whatever it is. Is, is there any hoverman at at all that you can back out of post exchange pre completion? Uh, not in a standard real estate deal, no. A a material adverse change clause would be highly unusual. But but uh, where where it's a corporate structure deal, so where you're buying the corporate entity, where it's a large portfolio, they have become more common. And there were indeed a few large real estate deals uh, that exchange pre. COVID that have material adverse change clauses in them and the buyers operated those clauses and, and walked away from the deal or, or sought to renegotiate those deals as a result. Right, but only because that there was a, an explicit material adverse, adverse clause. In the absence of, a, of an express contractual arrangement, yeah. there is no right to walk away from a contract simply because the surrounding environment has, uh, has has changed. You need something to be able to point to in the contract to show that you've got the right to walk away. So, so, so Jeremy Shiler is whether in Halacha there would be... Is that, is that true as well? So if there was some... But again, if, if you've signed a contract, then the contract would normally be based on... The Halacha would normally look at what's in the contract. If there's something which wouldn't normally be there or should normally be there and isn't there then the question would be, if the people knew what they were doing, is that an implication, therefore, as to what the intention was? Um, you know, that's number one. Number two, in the average standard contract, if it's more than one size of paper, there'll be a clause right at the end. There'll be two clauses right at the end, one of which will be a breach of halacha, that will be there in most contracts, which is that the, the courts of England have the sole jurisdiction, and that's a problem of our choice. Um, sorry, lawyers. But uh, the second one is that, that, um, that the, the, the one before that will be the clause that says that this is to be governed according to the law of the land of England, the courts of, the courts of England. Now, that in halacha is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong in halacha with two people signing a contract saying that this is to be governed by the law of England. Basically, it's a night of double moment where two parties have agreed that instead of writing out what we're agreeing to, we're writing, we're agreeing that this is to be according to the interpretation of the law of England which is fine. That's like any other term and condition in the contract. That's absolutely fine. So if it says, according to the law of England, then the Besden will go to a lawyer and will say to a lawyer, what does this mean? Right? There's, there is a material breach. There is a material breach, a clause. How would this be interpreted? You know, because that will then govern what the parties have signed up for. Uh, and again, of course, your Shia Jeremy would also be relevant to what is an exchange in Halacha. And that's very interesting. As we've discussed a number of times before, the law doesn't care that much whether an exchange on a, on, on, a, on a contract or a property is a Kenyan or not a Kenyan. There's an exchange and there's a completion and you can sue for completion. In Halacha, the Shaila is more relevant. On exchange on a property, does that mean you now own the property but you have to pay the other 80% or whatever it is? Or does it mean you've committed yourself to purchase the property in the future but it doesn't actually legally become yours until you've completed and the various enough communities discussed before with late pay, late completion charges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but moving back, moving back. Can I just throw into the to the mix? Sure. I don't know about um, property contracts. Barry will know better. But in, in a lot of contracts, there's a force majeure clause, which <laughs> arguably Mark, someone we, could rely we, on. Not hearing you properly. Uh, in, 
of the expectation and to rely on that clause and to get out of it that way. Mark, I didn't hear you clearly, Harry? but I think you said, I didn't hear you clearly. I think you said there's a force majeure clause normally, which yeah. would, which would potentially be used in this situation. I, I query whether it could be used in this situation in law. Um, so, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, there are force majeure clauses. You see them in construction contracts. You see them in a lot of supply contracts. You see them less in, in sort of sale of business type contracts, uh, because the argument... You'll see more of it now. Well, I'm not sure you'll see more force majeure. I think you'll see more material adverse change clauses. Um, but even in relation to force majeure, there is, there has been a very big debate whether or not uh, the COVID-19 actually falls within any of right. uh, Has it been tested? It hasn't been tested yet in the courts. It, uh, yeah. it undoubtedly will be. Um, uh, I know they're testing, um, they're tested, they're testing insurance, business yeah, interruption are, insurance policies at the moment. Yeah. My ex-colleagues are acting for the insurers on, uh, on, on the first test case of that, right. which, uh, which potentially will affect a lot of businesses. Not yet. Yeah, insurance is a big one. I, I mean, there, there is an interesting argument. Could you argue, because most of, most force majeure clauses include a, an act of God, uh, as right. a, now that would be an interesting argument to argue that COVID-19 is indeed an act of God. As opposed to an act of China. Yeah, well. <laughs> Sorry, Diane, can we, we stop believing God? Same thing so. these days. <laughs> That's Sorry, Diane. Yeah. Sorry, Diane, can I just ask a, a quick question? Um, in terms of where do external factors come in, in terms of you've signed the contract and then the bank literally pulls out? Oh, so you've, so, got no funds, you've got no funds to pay for anyway. So this is, this is a massive problem at the moment. There's a massive problem because there are a lot of people who are holding by everything fine. And all of a sudden, the banks pulled out on, the, on, on many, many uh, mortgages um, and, and, and put holds on, on many mortgages. There were people with back-to-back contracts. and the people, There's been a ripple effect all the way across. Um, uh, again, to come back to what we said before, that particular shadow that we're talking about is not one where there's been a binding contract signed. And now uh, one party wants to cancel that contract because of uh, something like this, right? We're talking about pre-contract, uh, 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 a, 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 a heads of terms. I understand. We are not classifying as a contract. We're saying heads of terms is, is a, uh, um, in theory, the agreement of the parties but not in practice because it hasn't yet been implemented. What you're asking is if there would have been a contract signed and the contract wouldn't have allowed for, uh, you know, if it says we've exchanged a contract, we've done some kind of binding contract pending the mortgage, then obviously if all of a sudden the mortgage doesn't come through, there's nothing to talk Ah. about. If it doesn't mention the mortgage, right, uh, when it could have mentioned the mortgage, then again, if normally that contract would say according to English law, and, 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 and normally then you'd have to ask the lawyers, what does that mean in such a situation? Because that's what they've signed up for. Just, just one other, just on one other point also, uh, we've got an interesting situation at work where the work policy, insurance policy is being renewed in July. And we've already been told by the insurers that uh, at the moment we're covered for c- certain COVID related expenses. And we're already been told in July that the, 
the insurance policy will not cover those anymore, which is interesting. It's an interesting game of the insurance business, I suppose, once they, they can just exclude it. They've got the power to just exclude it. Well, well, they can say we're not selling a policy that has it. And if the other competitors are selling a policy yeah. that has it, then they might find more business, you know, yeah. but they might go bust in the process. So, yeah. The second shiner, which just came out just briefly, uh, the second shiner, which came out was, was a tenancy shiner where, where parties were negotiating on renting a property, a uh, commercial property. Um, and again, literally, literally about to sign. Uh, it gone back and forth and back and forth and, and everything else ready to sign. And now uh, um, didn't get signed. They pulled out the last second when COVID happened. Been sitting empty for the last three months, and the parties, uh, you know, uh, are, are, the, the, the landlord is complaining that um, you know this this is not okay, and you know he's blaming the agent for allowing it to schlep, and the agent who's a yid is saying to the tenant, you're, sorry, to the potential tenant, you're causing a huge chilashem here by the fact that you schlepped and schlepped, and the landlord was so nice in letting you schlep. And now you're walking away and you had a verbal agreement that you're taking the property. Um, and, and there as well, again, the same thing. Uh, the verbal agreement was, was not in any way, shape or form binding. The landlord would have been fully entitled to give it to somebody else legally and there'd be nothing the tenant could do about it. Um, and, 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 and as I explained to the people who asked the Shaila, um, here, this Shaila is being presented to you as a Mechusa Mona Shaila between the tenant who's a yid and the agent who's a yid. But that's not actually the correct Shiloh. The, the agent was never the person who's going to be signing the contract. The contract is going, well, unless he signs on behalf of, uh, the, the, you know, the landlord. But the, the, the rental agreement, which is what we're talking about here, is schirus, is, is, a, is a contract between the yid who's a tenant and the landlord who's a goy. So, so it's got nothing to do with the normal halakas and mechusa emona between two yidin. It's a question of whether or not you're making Chil Hashem. Whether or not making Chil Hashem would be determined normally by asking people who are not emotionally involved or financially involved in this particular case, what would be expected in the marketplace? And I think Barry's already answered that. In this situation, any tenant who hadn't yet signed a lease and all of a sudden, for a commercial property, which he then would not be able to go into for a few months because legally he's under lockdown, and who knows after that for how long, and at the moment that I've been told the market rent on that property has gone down 30%. Um, so even if you're allowed back to, to, to the office, you know, depending on what exactly type of business it is and whatever it is, you know, there are plenty of people who can rent out offices at the moment if you want them because a lot more people working from home. There's a lot less people who are interested in going into this particular place of work, whatever. The whole, the whole market's changed. So if you hadn't signed by that stage, I don't think there's a Chil Hashem. I think it's completely expected. Yes, it's unfortunate. Yes, the person might be frustrated because he wanted you to sign earlier and had you signed earlier, he would have been lucky, but he didn't, right? And the same way that landlords turn around to tenants and they say, you have to pay me rent, um, you know, and, and unfortunate for you that you're not getting business, but you signed a contract when you did sign. So if you hadn't yet signed, then nothing really to talk about. Okay. I, I, um, in the, the little bit of time we have left in share. I want to just start a, a, a more more um, specific point that uh, touching on, on, on the previous shurim in more detail though. Um, we learned earlier on in the earlier shurim, Allah and Shin which told us that if in the Shaila of the tenancy agreement, where the tenants nifta in the middle of a contract, and the Shaila was do the estate, the, the ocean, have to pay from the estate 
the remaining months on the contract. Now, again, just to be clear, we're not talking about whether there's a legal uh, uh, lease with all the normal terms and conditions, et cetera, et cetera, because that might affect it otherwise. We're talking about whether there's, uh, uh, sorry to use the expression, a high rental and, uh, um, you know, the, the lease might not be that long at all. And it doesn't govern what's going to happen in such a situation. And now, unfortunately, the tenant has passed away. And, the shayla, and it doesn't say according to English law at all or anything like that. And now the shayla is um, whether you have to pay, uh, whether the state has to pay for the outstanding months on the lease. And we said this, Machlechus, we shown him. Machlechus that the Motra holds that you don't, whatever you haven't paid, it's an onus. It's not the, the Yoshim's fault. It's not the state's fault. And, and if the landlord wanted that the rent should be paid, even in such a scenario, the onus would have been on him to put that in the contract if he now wants to moitzi momen. If he's, and therefore, he can't be moitzi momen. The Rajwa held that, seriously, it's a transaction. You bought a lease for a year. You owe the rest of the funds, and you have to pay up. And Amar said, therefore, if, you, if you've paid already all of the money, you don't get back your money. If you haven't yet paid all of the money, um, then Amar doesn't say this, but by, by inference, what he's saying is, whatever you haven't paid, he can't be mercy from you. And the shine is exactly what is that based on? What does Ramon mean? That? Is that a sim- simply a regular kimli halacha? Is there more to it than that? So I've asked Yossi if he can share, if he can share the Gemara in Badman Siyadap Ayin Tess. It's Gemara we touched on a while ago. It's Gemara in Asafis Umnim. So Gemara in Badman Ayin Tess. Just doing that. Thank you. Uh... Here, can you see this? I, I'm showing not the image you sent. It's just at the bottom. Ton Rabon here. Yeah, so it's it, that's right. Ton Rabon, thank you. Sigmar says as follows: Ton Rabon, Hasreiches Asvina v'Tava Lo Bechatzi Haderech. If I rented off you a ship to carry my wine, and unfortunately this ship sank halfway across the the, the whatever river, ocean, whatever it was meant to be traveling, and to transport the wine. If I've already paid you the amount for the transportation of the wine, then I can't get it back. If I haven't paid you, then I don't have to pay you. Now the Gemara seeks clarification. What scenario are we actually talking about here? What's the situation? If you say that, um, I forgot which way around I said the, the scenario. I'm, I'm, um, renting off you a boat to carry my wine. Let's keep it that way. I'm renting off you a boat to carry my wine. So if I came to you and you've only got one specific boat, you don't have a fleet, you've got one boat. So I come to you and I say, can I rent your boat to transport wine? Not this particular uh, barrel of wine or barrels of wine. I've got a warehouse full of wine. I want to uh, tra- uh, 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 hire your boat to take, uh, uh, um, to transport over, you know, let's say a container of wine um, to the States. So in that situation, imnosa namayla yito. So in that case, where it's yayin stam, if I paid you the full amount of money, why can't I get refunded? Namely, so I, I, I can say to you, havli sefinta danor my I'm happy to bring my wine. The contract wasn't any specific wine of mine. So the fact that the wine that I had on the boat has sunk is irrelevant right now. I'm prepared to get other wine from my uh, warehouse. And can you take that other wine in this ship 
because I only rented off you this ship. I didn't rent off you a ship. I rented this specific ship. So the question really is, who can continue fulfilling the contract? I'm happy to bring the wine. You bring this ship, and I'm happy to pay you the full amount. If you can't bring this ship, then you're the one in breach of contract. So therefore, even if I paid you all the money, I should be able to get refunded. Says Gamora. Okay, Ella. You said I'm happy to bring the wine. So you said I'm happy when the wine's at the bottom of the river. No, but I didn't hire this wine. I, I hired your ship, this specific ship, to take wine. Um, so I could bring a some other wine. Load of wine. So right. I've got other wine in my warehouse. I'll send that wine. Bring me that ship from the bottom of the ocean. I'll load up another container of wine and take it to the States. Yeah. You can't do that. So then you can't meet the contract. Second scenario. Okay. What about the reverse? What about when you've got a fleet of ships and I've only got this particular container of wine and I hired a ship of yours. I don't know which one. You send me whichever one you want. A ship of yours to take this container of wine. And now it's sunk. Says the Gemara, If I haven't paid up, why can't you go to Bezin and Bezin should force me to pay up? Why? How can they force me to pay up? Because in the end of the day, why can't they turn around and say that, um, excuse me, you're prepared to provide another ship. It's me who can't bring this container of wine because this container of wine is sitting on the bottom of the ocean. And since it's me who can't conform with the contract, uh, but you are prepared to carry on uh, complying with the contract, why shouldn't you get paid in full? Says the Gemara... <laughs> bring me that wine, but I'm not and I'll bring any other ship of my fleet, and there shouldn't be a problem, and therefore you should have to pay me in full. We must be talking about a case where I'm renting this particular boat from you to take this particular container from me. And therefore what? Therefore, says Rashi, Look at Rashi. Ella b'yain zeh v'svino zu. Three lines down in Rashi on the left. V'loi b'yad zeh v'zeh l'hashlim. Neither party can perform on the contract. Hilkoch yad teveya alatachtoino. Whoever is after money, they're the ones who are coming knocking and saying, can you pay me? Or can I get my money back? The amalei heichano loi makveno mechimaisis v'yotcho. And the one who's holding the money can turn around and say, um, you, you bring me what you're meant to bring me, and I'll give you your money. So, for example, if, in this case, it's my wine going on your ship, and I haven't paid you, and you've taken my wine halfway across the ocean, and it's sunk. I'm not blaming you for it sinking. It was a storm, right? It's not your fault. However, now you come and say, can I pay you? I'll say, no problem. Bring me that ship that I hired, and I'm happy to pay you. I, even if you bring that ship, you're only contracted to take this wine, and I can't bring this wine either. That's, that doesn't matter because we won't get to that stage. Since you want money from me, I can tell you, first bring me that ship. You can't bring me that ship, I'm not paying. Because I only agreed, contracted to pay you for that ship. In the reverse, if I would have paid everything up front, and now I want a refund on my money, so I'll come to you and say, can I have my money back? And you'll say, no problem, bring me that wine, and I'm happy, I'm happy to, make, and then you've got a tiner. But if you don't bring me the wine, 
then you can't accept me to take it any further. That is what the Gemara is saying. Now the Shaila is why. Why is that the case? That in the end of the day, you are not taking my wine all the way across the ocean. Why should I pay you all the money? Why should I pay you all that money? Okay, maybe I can't ask for a refund for the half that you took it because you did take it and then an onus happened, which wasn't your fault, wasn't my fault. But why should I pay you the full amount? You didn't, the, the boat didn't get to the other side. Why, why should I pay you? So it comes along Tosis on the right hand side. And Tosis says, two lines down, and Tosis is doing muscle E, the top Tosis. In Toma, if I paid all of the rent, why can I not get paid back the money for the half which the boat didn't go? Why should I pay you that? Is it fair and is it correct? Is it yashustic that just because I happen to have given you that money, you can abuse your position of power and say, well, I'm holding the money, so I'm not paying you. Comes on the tesis with, with a, 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 a lachic point, which is there's a klanic skirus that normally the rent is not due till the end. So until then, I don't even owe you that money. And you're never going to get to the end. So why should I lose that money? Answers tesis is, since I paid you up front, I've got no problem with that money belonging to you from now. Even though normally I don't have to pay to the end. That as long as you're not reneging, as long as you're not doing anything wrong, Right? As long as you, you're not like, you know, if you had your ship and you refused to take it, of course I'm entitled to a refund. But when you're not doing anything wrong either, just unfortunately, for example, an owner's has happened, when I pay you that money, that's it, I don't get refunded. I don't get refunded. Now, the, the, the way that the Marach Azarua explains this tesis is with a little bit more Hezbo. Says Marach Azarua, basically what I'm saying is, I know when I give this money, even if an owner's happens, I'm not getting my money back. I'm giving the money. I know I'm not seeing that money back. It's like when you give a deposit. You're not getting back your deposit unless the other party's in breach. But if you want to come along and try and explain this and try and explain that, forget it. He's got your deposit. You're not going to get it back. So it's saying here a similar concept. You've given the whole money up front of your own free will. Al-Dazkin, you're giving it. Now, comes along Racha Zura and says a chap. And you have to know if everyone holds of this chap. But the Merach says, basically, what we're saying here is there's an implied mechila on behalf of the person paying the money in advance. Because otherwise, why is he giving the money in advance? He doesn't have to give the money in advance. There's an implied mechila when he gives that money that I'm prepared to give this money. And even if this happens, I know I'm not getting it back. Says the Merach what about if the person hiring the ship would have turned around and said, you can only take my ship if you pay me all the rent up front. What will happen then? So if that is a precondition of the deal, then you don't have a raya anymore that I'm prepared to give it to you even if an onus happens. When do you have a raya? If I give it my own free will, which I'm not to do, then that extra step of going the extra mile is interpreted as me giving it over almost like a gift, as long as you're prepared to do the best you can 
to comply with the contract and I'll ask him, I've got no claim. But if I'm forced to do it, so to speak, because that's what you're making me do in order to go ahead, says the then, then maybe this, this doesn't apply. Maybe the fact I've given the money doesn't apply. That doesn't mean, therefore, I'm moich on my rights, even to an onus. Now, what I'm going to leave you with as a shayla is let's talk about, potentially, a modern-day scenario of this shayla. What would happen on a rental contract of an apartment? Let's say I'm renting an apartment. Now, again, just be very careful here, because we're talking about an onus scenario. We're not necessarily talking right now about Makas Medina scenario. And the COVID shayla in Eretz Yisrael, uh, 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 um, well, the COVID shayla here would be Makas Medina. In Eretz Yisrael, we said it might not be Makas Medina. So just briefly, let me leave you with the shayla. What would happen if the landlord tells me at the beginning of the year, listen here, I don't want to come chasing after you. Give me 12 checks. Right? Or, or you know what? You volunteer. Let's keep it even, even better. You volunteer. Because you can't be bothered going to schlep round to pay him the rent. He lives in the middle of who knows where. You say, you know what? I'll give you 12 checks. And you give him 12 checks. Post-dated or even not post-dated or whatever. Right? Let's deal with each one in its time. Now, in that scenario, now all of a sudden COVID comes and you can't get to the deal or whatever it is. Right? And you want to know, this is an, let's say it's an onus. You didn't have, you left Eric Sissuel before. By the way, talk about a moving target. Today, the Israeli government turns around and cancelled any visas of, of, of um, Bochrim or students who are not yet in Eretz Yisrael. So someone who could have thought yesterday that they can fly into Eretz Yisrael and they might have a shared apartment or whatever it is, has just been cancelled. Not yet of Avrichim, so I'm told. So it appears, although that could change quickly. But so the, these shyness and, and, and you know, the situation keeps evolving and there's constantly new shyness that come up. Um, but either way, so would you say that since I gave all the checks up front, it's as if I've already accepted that that's it. I'm not going to, you know, if an onus happens, I don't get paid. Or would you say, no, I can cancel the checks. So it's not a raya of anything. It just saves me from having to go around to his house to give him the money. But it's not a raya in the same way when I give over the cash. So, or would you say... Sorry, Diane, can I just clear, just clear very, very quickly. The, the case with the wine, if you offered up front to say, okay, I'll pay everything, does that mean... Does, is that the bit that means that you, you don't have any rights to take it back? But if the, if so, the guy... Don't, yeah, paid, don't just saying that means that you're basically giving it even if an owner's owner, Even if something happens. So yeah. in, the, in, in the case with the checks, if they're saying that, to you, you need to I, pay... No, I, changed it. I, changed, I changed it as I was saying it. Let's say you volunteer it of your own free will. Ah, then you do, then according to the, the case with the wine and the ship, then you've got no, you've got no chance. That's the Shila. Is a check the same because you can cancel a check? Ah, Okay, thank you. Sorry. Um, you, you, have, you have said in the past, no, it's Israel, you can't cancel the check. Correct. And that was the last twist I was about to say. In Eretz Israel, it's illegal to cancel a check because mm-hmm. one person gives it to the next person and it's over that soicha and it keeps going around the system. As like I told you once, a banker told me he got a check, but there's no room on the back for more signatures. Right? It's almost like an autograph book. Right? But, but uh, so that, that, will be, that might be part of the shiner as well. I'll, I'll put it to be continued. Go ahead. Let's go.